0: Yo! MTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. The next stop on the Star City Games Open Series is coming up soon in Baltimore, Maryland. On June 25th and 26th, join hundreds of other players to battle it out in the Standard Legacy and Draft Open to compete for the glory, the money, and the prestige of moving up the ranks in the SCG Players Club. With side events galore and live coverage courtesy of SCG Live, it'll be an action-packed weekend that you won't want to miss. So make plans to join Star City Games and Yo! MTG Taps in Baltimore, and we'll see you there. everybody, and welcome to Episode 70 of Yo! MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pascoe.
1: I'm Big Head Joe. We are so far over the hill at this point, but we're not over the shark.
0: That's true. We have not yet jumped the shark. Um, we are super pumped to be joined by returning guest, Patrick Chapin.
1: Hey, what up? This is Patrick.
0: So uh, we're going uh, to talk about the huge news that came down uh, actually just yesterday. Today we're recording on Tuesday. Um, June 20th, the, the band-restricted announcement. Uh, pretty much the most anticipated band-restricted announcement that I can remember. Um, and uh, as as many people expected, there were changes. And I, I think this is this is the biggest kind of bomb to kind of drop on Standard in this way in six years. Like, uh, the last time there were bannings was the Affinity debacle.
2: Yeah, like, Standard obviously hasn't had anything changed in a long time.
0: Yeah, so as of July 1st, Jace the Mind Sculptor and Stoneforge Mystic are banned from standard, unless you're playing the event deck, the War of Attrition event deck, in which case you can actually play Stoneforge Mystic if you don't change that deck, which is a little. Uh, an interesting way to work around that. But um, I think the. <laughs> yeah, the primary thing is, you know, those two cards are banned. So, first thing, are either you guys surprised at all uh, with any part of that. Nope.
3: Patrick? Yes,
2: I'm surprised that so many people were surprised. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, are you kidding me? How delusional it has to be to think that this is in any way remotely okay. No. I mean, nobody, okay, yes, I get that there's some people who wondered, is Jace above the law, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, is somehow he untouchable because he's the center of brand and a $100 card at one point? Uh, Or is Stoneforge Mystic untouchable because it appears in the event deck? Uh, Standard was a format that nobody even wanted to touch. This was the most dominant deck of all time. There's no way in the world they would allow it to survive.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess
2: I'm surprised that people actually thought, "Oh, look, at this most recent, at one recent <laughs> tournament, only half of the top eight was Carblade." <laughs> well, shoot, gosh, I just things are changing. The reign of terror is over.
0: <laughs> right, we're back, we're back to fairy and John levels of dominance instead of uh, instead of call blade levels.
2: On one day,
3: yeah, on, a day.
2: on one day it stoops so low as to be uh, our fairy's or John's good day.
3: Right,
0: exactly. Um, I I definitely wasn't surprised. I expected something to happen, but I feel like I was a little more surprised that Jace was included in it. And I know, like that's not. I, I can't say I was totally surprised. Uh, but I think the, uh, I think Stoneforge Mystic was obviously the number one target, at least in my head, but I felt like once you take away Stoneforge Mystic, that destroys Callblade as a deck, and I felt like that would have been enough. Um, so, not that I can't, I can't say I disagree with the decision, but that's, I think, as far as, like, the decision I would have made, I think if it were just up to me, it would have just been Stoneforge Mystic, um... I, I guess, how did, what did you guys think about that, like, you know, one or the other?
1: Can I, um. So I want to get on the record here on the episode and say uh, to everyone who listens, I told you so. Um, no, <laughs> I, I've been saying for a very long time. I think I've been saying since they spoiled that there would be a red and white sword um, which we pretty much knew already. In New Phyrexia, I was like, yeah, they should probably ban Stoneforge Mystic because I think it's going to get out of hand. I've been saying that from day one, and I know that I was... Um, I, I, I think, like, Joey, you were... Uh, somebody was saying to me, like, well, what if you're wrong? And I was like, well, people are wrong all the time. Nobody remembers the times when you're wrong. People only remember the times when you're right. And, uh, <laughs> well, uh, I was right. Um, they banned Stoneforge Mystic, and I'm not surprised at all. Um, I'm... I I, I don't think they... I wish they wouldn't have banned Jace. And this is coming from someone who owns zero of them Um, as a a player. I mean, like, I like Jace as a card. Um, I see how it can be super powerful. Um, But I didn't feel like it should be banned. Um, That's just me personally. I know people disagree with that, and that's fine. Um, I'm not surprised or disappointed that they banned Jace, frankly. Like, it does open a lot of doors. Um, for Standard, and I think it's a good thing in the long run. Now, if I were making the decision, since you you, yeah. you uh, yeah. said what you would have done, right. um, if I were making the decision, I would have banned uh, Stoneforge Mystic and Splinter Twin, but that's just me. Um, I feel like... The Splinter Twin deck is really weird for, like, newer players. I'm a TO, so I have to think of things in terms of, like, how new players would react to them. And having somebody just spit out a creature at the end of their turn and then play an enchantment and win doesn't feel like magic to a new player. Um, so, I mean, that's just me. And I do see how that deck is significantly weakened by taking Jace out of the equation. Uh, so I think that's a good thing in the long term in terms of, like, well, if they draw it, they draw it, you know? Yeah. Um, but, like, it really does take a lot of their ability to dig for it or to have another win condition in the deck away um so I think that's good um like I would have i would have just made that you know i would i would have kept jason band uh splinter twin but um I don't disagree with anything they did and I'm excited to move forward
0: how about you patrick uh okay so first
2: I think it's kind I mean maybe maybe I'm being too much like focusing on the details here but isn't it kind of impossible to it seems weird to have these contradicting views of, you don't disagree with anything they did, but you wouldn't have done it, <laughs> and uh, you don't think that they should have done it, but you think that it was good for the game?
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah you it, said
2: it, in the long run, you think it's good, but you don't think they needed to do
0: it. I guess it's more about, uh, I, it's not what I've done, so I don't totally agree with it, but I'm... Uh, but but I can I, I can see the reasoning behind it to some extent, and I'm not outraged. Uh, I'm not completely opposed to what they're doing. It's just that it, it's not the decision I would have made, because it's a hard decision. But, you know, it's a fine line. Yeah, I mean, I
2: think. It's definitely a hard decision, but you know what? It's definitely the right decision. I agree. 1st I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody can agree that Stoneforge Mystic needed to be banned, just because, the, I mean, obviously the Red light Sword, but to a larger degree, Batterskull. Mm-hmm. The printing of Batterskull has elevated Stoneforge Mystic into being one of the top two or three creatures of all time. And the, uh, even if Jace the Mind Sculptor had been banned, and only Jace, Stoneforge Mystic, the like Callblade itself would still be excellent. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Stoneforge Mystic with Batterskull would still dominate the format. So once you ban Stoneforge Mystic, uh, you know, wrap your mind around that, the question is, why not just that? Is that enough? You know? Yeah, and, that, and that's pretty much where I am. So right. the, the problem with that, and I'll get to the twin argument in just a moment, but the, the, the problem with banning just so unfortunately is the first, if Wizards of the Coast is going to swallow the poison tail, if they're going to go to all the trouble of actually banning a card and having to deal with the incredible negative backlash, you better believe they, they want to be damn sure they actually solved the problem. The, right. the only thing worse than having to, like, you know what's worse than banning cards? or letting the format stay awful is doing both. Banning a card and the format still being awful. The perception of it being that it hasn't changed enough. I see. Even if Callblade was gone, if you ban Stoneforge Mystic right now, the format would be completely dominated by Jace the Mind Sculptor decks. Right. Yeah. And Jace the Mind Sculptor is already the best thing in the format besides Stoneforge Mystic and it beats it's in twin, which you're afraid of, and it, it's the only thing that beats Valit. Right, well, like it's still a hundred dollar card that even before, like, it was showing up in eighty eight percent of the day two decks of Grand Prix Singapore.
3: Right, eighty eight
2: percent. I mean, like, if a format is eighty eight percent blue, it's miles beyond having a problem. You know? Yeah. Uh And then, so, so what? Like, banning Stoneforge Mystic isn't actually going to make it better. It's right. just going to make it so that there's fewer blue decks. There's going to be a bunch of different blue decks, but they're all just going to dominate. I mean, Jace the Mind Sculptor is still the most broken card in the format. There's one interaction, the interaction between Stoneforge Mystic and Batterskull, that is, uh, it's like uh, Flash and Protein Hulk or Time Warp or Time Vault and Moltaki, mm-hmm. where the combination is unbeatable. But the but that doesn't mean that it, that that doesn't make Time Vault or Flash better than Incest Recall or Black Lotus. Jace the Mind Sculptor is still the most powerful card in the format by an order of magnitude compared to most of the cards. And, uh, the, like, if they only banned Stoneforge Mystic, what, oh, wait, if they only banned Stoneforge Mystic would you agree that there's a very good chance that 80, or that 4 out of 5 of the best decks would be Jacex, or at least 3 out of 4 of the best Jacex? But 3 out of 4 of the best decks would be Jacex? Sure, sure.
1: Maybe more like five out of five, but fair enough. (laughs) Right, but the point is that how does that help? Like, right now, there are an
2: awful lot of people who can't even compete in tournaments because you, up until now, you really did need Jace the Mind Sculptor to be a top-tier contender for some period of time. I mean, yes, people show up with these mono-red decks and these vampire decks, they do okay, but how narrow is that metagame where you have to play a hyper-aggressive strategy just to even have a chance, and even then if they stick a batter skull, you're dead
0: yeah I guess here like the thing that I think of uh two things kind of uh, as far as JSTECs go if the measure of a healthy format is some amount of diversity and i think that's that's something that a lot of people look at as the primary marker of a healthy format
1: myself included
0: um and i and I can get behind that as well. I think that probably is the primary marker as of a of a healthy format but um and Uh, stoneforge mystic is banned and there's a lot of jace decks the thing about jace is he's he's a blue staple so he's going to go in every deck that can produce blue mana and blue is a popular color and the fact that you could have several different jace decks to me is uh it's still a it's still a diverse format when there's uh you know a top eight includes uh blue black control and blue white control and rug and then like you know, uh, your right. random, Four. your random, yeah, Boros or vampires lists or something not, or Valakus. Not everybody owns faces. Right. No, I understand. I understand the the, the logic uh, about yeah. it being. Well, so- you
2: know, I love Jason's mind sculpture more than anyone. <laughs> Jason's yes. mind sculpture absolutely needed to be banned. The whole point, like, once you're going to go to the trouble of banning, uh, banning a card.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: then make sure the format actually does what you want. Like, it gives people a chance to play the new cards from the last two sets that they haven't even got to play yet because they've been so completely impressed. If Jason and was still legal, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't see any mono black. You wouldn't see uh, people try to play green-white quest. You wouldn't see people, you wouldn't see uh, Valica. You wouldn't, I mean, you, you would literally just see the same old decks it would be the same decks that we already had. Yeah. But now, yeah. with Jace and Stoneforge gone, that's almost 90% of the field. Now, right. the whole format has been revolutionized. It's almost all the same cards, but there's like 50% more cards that are playable now because they can actually compete in a world that doesn't have Jace and Stoneforge. A lot right. of cards are not even close to good enough to be in a world of Jace. The Jace has, look at and Obliterator. That's a sweet card that you can't possibly play because
0: of Jace. There's a number of creatures that are really good that just fail the Jace test.
1: Yeah, I, ag- I agree with you with what you're saying. Um, what I felt that they needed to do, the goal of the Bannings needed to be to weaken the Callblade decks and to weaken the Splinter Twin decks, in my opinion. And I feel but like...
2: Splinter Twin wasn't dominated.
1: No, it wasn't. But, um, but to me, just to me, it's a deck that... Uh doesn't feel like Magic, uh, especially to a newer player. I'm just talking about in terms of, like, making Magic feel like Magic. That's all I'm talking about here. Um, and I felt like they should—they needed to weaken those two decks, frankly. And um, and I feel like with the bannings that they did, they accomplished that. So I think that was a good thing. I don't think they needed to ban Splinter Twin, but they needed to weaken that deck so that, you know, players could play their decks without someone just barfing out a combo and winning. <laughs>
0: Not not consistently, anyway. Not
1: consistently, exactly.
0: I guess, while I do agree that it's nice
2: that that deck was weakened, to say that it needed to be weakened, uh, I mean, there's no actual evidence of that, because Winter Twin hasn't hasn't even had a chance to live. That combo is a good combo, and that deck is going to probably be a pretty good deck in this new world. But to say that that combo should be neutered because it doesn't feel like magic is to miss that there are different ways of playing Magic. A lot of people feel like two card combos are a classic way to play Magic. Magic is a game that isn't just good cards. It's not just draft all the time. People, lo- there's a a lot of people who love combos, and eventually every new player is gonna learn that there are combos in Magic.
1: No, 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 and I and I agree that right now, like as things stand, the the Splinter Twin deck. Is a you know is a healthy part of the metagame, um, no. But I think it's good. I mean, I think it, I think the things the way they are now, come July first, are going to be amazing. And even with the the twin decks, which I don't feel are you know overpowered because they don't have that that long game of having Jace to search up like you know the other like the other two or three copies of the card that they need. You know, um,
2: so I think it's a good. Oh uh, yeah, I agree with you with that completely. Once yeah. you done on Jace, the Mind Sculptor. They're so much more fragile because it's a lot more all in. Just attacking their com- if, they, if you just attack their combo, sometimes they just beat you with a jace anyway. You know, right. like you you have your torch Lord in play and dismembering in your hand, and you know you're ready, and then they just cast jace and you're like, well, um, I guess I'm dead.
1: Right, <laughs> exactly. And so I think that's good. I think that the the, the deck is. Um is is good for the metagame right now in its you know in its post bannings state, you know? So so no no beef there, you know, just um just looking at it when you know when Jace was around. You know? I mean Jace has warped our thinking so much that we can't think of like you know, these decks without Jace. Like, I don't know.
0: <laughs> it's, definitely, it's definitely difficult because I know, like, even sitting down yesterday trying to, like, think, all right, what do I want to play? Uh, what kind of blue base control deck do I want to play here? And I'm just so naturally, like, writing Jace down that it feels weird to think not think of not playing him. It's just hard to uh, – I'm just so used to it. So the implementation of this is July 1st. And the right. announcement, obviously, June 20th. Um, but right now we're sitting in the middle of kind of a, a lame duck format. Uh, and this weekend going into Star City Open Baltimore, um, we have basically a format that is almost irrelevant. I'm partly biased because I'm going to be doing commentary this weekend for SCG Live, so... Um, I'm going to, uh, I'm excited to see the new format, and unfortunately we all know it's coming and we can't do anything about it, uh, for this weekend because it doesn't apply this weekend, and, uh, it seems to me like they keep talking about how much faster information travels and, um, you know, how fast metagames kind of are solved, or at least how things progress, and it it almost seems like, wow, by this weekend people are already going to be ready with their new Bruise, but they kind of can't play them.
2: Yeah, see, I, I, I think you're overestimating. Like, I mean, like you are very plugged in. You are in tune with the Magic community. As it is now, an awful lot of people, it does take them more than a couple of days to decide how to adjust to such a radical change to the clock. Yeah, I mean, that's not a lot of time at all. If you changed it so that the changes took place immediately,
3: mm-hmm.
2: like, what if somebody has a tournament the day after the announcement and it just changes immediately? Immediately. Yeah. That seems, I don't know. It seems like we didn't want it to be shorter within a week and a half. This way, people have a week and a half to figure out what new strategy they want to play. Plus, this weekend can be a time of remembrance. I mean, like, I, I know it sounds funny now because people are so sick of Ways, but 10 years from now, we're going to remember that this week was the. Re- Just like now, people talk about affinity. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, wow, everything. this is the most dominant deck since affinity or whatever. Affinity is a permanent place in Magic history. Callblade is a permanent thing in Magic history. This is a time and place where the most dominant deck ever is legal. Celebrate the uh, Callblade this weekend, but also, anybody who wants to, you got one last chance at the title. This is one last chance to try to tr- take to, tr- to prove that whatever strategy you have you think could beat Callblade. This is your chance to actually step up to the plate and prove it instead of just talk about what you would have done, you know, instead of what you what you could have done if only you would have had the chance. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, the climate change after next week anyway. So let's just make the most of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. Like, um, you know, I I've been so certain that uh, that Stoneforge was going to be banned on June 20th uh, and still. Um, the day the event decks came out, I got two of them so I could build a Stoneforge Mystic deck to play with for two weeks. You know, I was like, I want to build a Stoneforge deck just like on on its way out the door, just for fun, just to play around. I've been messing with Pure Steel Paladin, um, a, a version of that, and like I was like, I'm gonna play I'm gonna play uh, Stoneforge just because it'll be fun to get to play it before I can't play it anymore. Right. I've been celebrating, even though I think it should be banned.
0: <laughs> and I think that's the the thing. I've been playing Jay so much in Legacy recently that I kind of didn't get a chance to play him. Well, I had a chance, I just wasn't. I was playing Legacy instead of Standard so much recently that uh, I kind of feel like, oh no, I don't. I'm not going to be able to play Jason Standard anymore. Um, but uh, looking ahead to to the future of Standard, like I think, uh, what can what can we speculate will be the best decks? Um, I mean it seems like right out of the gate people think Valakit is suddenly going to be really strong and as you mentioned patrick uh, splinter twin combo is a nice natural foil to to Valakit just by being faster and uh, and not having to deal with any pretty much any sort of interaction from the Valakit deck uh, so if it has the combo it's not even it doesn't really even have to fight um, so those two decks obviously and then we've had uh, Vampires do well recently. Mono Red seems like it's still a contender. So both you know, both of those decks are still alive uh, in the metagame. Obviously, Callblade and Rug are pretty much dead decks, and at least the face of Rug as we knew it. But um, what kind of new decks, or at least new archetypes, or maybe old archetypes that we haven't seen in a while, uh, do we think maybe... Have a chance to get in. You you already mentioned uh, mono black control like Phyrexian Obliterator, Patrick. Um, is that something you think will will start seeing more uh, more play or more success? All right. Well, that's a lot of different questions. Yeah, so, I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: So the first the first part, Balakit is level zero of the metagame. It starts with there's this deck that was the best deck mm-hmm. in the best baseline deck before. And the only thing that could keep it under control was Jason Mind Sculpture. and then later, Stoneforge Mystic going to get sort of feast and famine uh, actually beat it. You know, because once the Aggro and the Control decks have these two cards that they can't beat, well, now that it's two enemies are actually gone, uh, it rises up and, and becomes the baseline that people have to build their decks around.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: that makes level one Splinter Twin. Because Splinter Twin is the natural foil. Mm-hmm. It's the deck that just inherently beats Baloket. Uh, despite not having for or Jace. So then level two is uh, everything else should be, you know, lying for either a better way to beat Valakit or something that actually beats Twin, you know? And, like, a lot of decks could be Twin, but it's just that when we're going around building decks besides Valakit and Twin, you kind of want to make sure that you actually beat one of those two, you know? Or else you're not really going to have a purpose in the meta game. And, uh... The problem with decks like Monolith and mm-hmm. Vampires is that it's not that they... Like, yes, they didn't get any cards from them banned. the only reason they were even playable is because all the strategies that were good against them were not playable, and they were actually playable against Callblade. Callblade's gone. Now, instead of playing... you, you decks aren't solid here. You know, you, you don't get to play these decks against the same types of opponents, Now, there's going to be a lot more Rafa Gods.
3: Mm-hmm. There's going to
2: be a lot more... Venge lines. there's going to be more Valakits and Primeval Titans and Grave Titans and Inferno Titans. I mean, there's just going to be so much stuff that it remains to be seen if it's time for Mono Red or Vampires yet, you know? I mean, yes, Vampires has access to discards and so it's going to be able to at least try to fight that way. Mm-hmm. But it is going to have to change the way that Vampire decks play out. You know, the old Vampire decks, or the recent Vampire decks, were so hyper-aggro. They were just all spot removal and jackal parts. And now they're going to have to actually be able to interact with Combo and interact with, you know, Titan. Mono Red, on the other hand, it's not even clear what Mono Red is supposed to be now. So while it didn't get in the card banned, I think that we're going to have to wait until we figure out what it is that it's supposed to be. Because as it is now, every single deck I, you know, begin to imagine seems awesome against Mono Red, just naturally. You know, like 13 Obliterator, Mm-hmm. Yeah, good luck with that Mono Red yeah <laughs> Great, good luck with that you know Worm Coil engine like every random card just seems so good against Mono Red now line, anything so I think this Mono Red is not at all where you want to start um, I agree with you completely that rug is dead I mean is going to have to change form dramatically because that was a deck that revolved entirely around Jason Arnsefer. Yeah. and without it like, what are you even doing, you know? Like, if you're going to be a ramp deck, maybe you turn into, like, a turbo land deck. Maybe you turn into a um, drowsy deck of some sort. Maybe you turn into a poly, mass polymorph deck or a Sporter lamp deck. Maybe, maybe you're just ramping up to some good cards, you know? I mean, ranted growth is turning back on and, and uh And if the new rumored Garruk is
1: true, I mean, that card's pretty sweet. What is the new ru- I haven't even heard about the new rumored Garruk. Joe,
0: do you know it? Yeah. Um, Patrick- what is it? Patrick, you know know it offhand. I'd have yeah. to look it up.
2: Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, So, I mean, there's absolutely no confirmation of this whatsoever, other than the fact that, supposedly, it comes from a reliable source. But, um, but it's one green, green, green to four mana. One green, green, green for a Planeswalker dash a rook. Its starting loyalty is three. Its first ability is plus two. Search your library for a basic land, put it onto the battlefield, tapped to Sharply Library. His first ability is plus two to Rancito. Yeah. And then his second ability is uh, plus one to put a two two green wolf token onto the battlefield. Love it. (laughs) And then his third ability is uh, minus six. Put a two two green wolf token onto the battlefield for every land and
3: creature
0: you control. It really follows in the footsteps of the old Garrick, in a way. Like, you know, it it can protect itself, and then it can overwhelm you with with creatures, and it can also ramp. It seems kind of uh, very much similar to the the original.
1: While we're on the topic of new planeswalkers, um, do you want to talk briefly about that thing that Noyan had sent us the other day?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a thread on MTG Salvation saying that uh, according to... uh, what appeared to be the, the starting, like, the first characters in the Japanese version. There was a Japanese Duels of the Planeswalkers commercial that fanned the uh, the planeswalkers, and we've mentioned this in a past episode, and that, that was the one where you saw Gideon with the uh, the M12 expansion symbol. So we it, it confirmed Gideon. Um, the other planeswalkers are kind of behind Gideon, and you only see, like, a slight corner or like a little sliver of each card and it looks like from the Japanese version of the commercial, which has the Japanese cards, uh, the first character that you can see, like the kanji, I think is the, uh, the term for the Japanese characters. Uh, they're different than Jace Bellerin and Chandra Nalar and Garrick. So, you know, Garrick Wildspeakers. Yeah,
2: and I'm pretty certain that that's a really good find because, uh, like I'm pretty certain that Garruk, Chandra, and Jace have new forms yeah. uh jace is not going to be the mind sculptor that's for sure and yeah. chandra is probably not going to be ablaze just because it was the least popular planeswalker of all time mm. and if this group really is going to go up that card is unbelievable that card is so good i won't be surprised if that up is like the second best planeswalker of all time i mean like that elite company is like, pretty much just like tenderet cloth as any uh, Alex Smith and Jason Minescox are pretty much like that top, top five, right? He seems at least in the league of, of Johnny Vengeance, Kloss, and or Rolus, and, and Alex Smith. I mean, Wizards has said recently that it's important to have cards like Sidney Needle mm-hmm. and a living ring, you know, different things like that that are safety valves to make sure planeswalkers uh, don't get out of control. Yeah. Because maybe maybe things wouldn't have been as bad if Sidney Needle and a living ring were legal. you know? Like a living ring helping to fight <laughs> Jason's and Batterskull, Stoneforge, and and Pithy Needle for both as well. I mean, so I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, first of all, from the looks of it, there is exactly one card that like uh, I don't recall what the two cards are, mm-hmm. but there are two cards that were next to each other in M11 mm-hmm. that uh, preclude Oblivion Ring from being in M11 because those two cards are next to numbered next to each other. Right. However, in M12, those same two cards appear. And there's exactly one card between
0: them right nice. so, so it looks it, it could be oblivion ring that's circumstantial evidence
2: mm-hmm. but if I were of the coast, I would probably put oblivion ring in twelve
0: yeah, I think it's such a perfect like perfect kind of design too for a card it's very versatile it's you know it's got its uh, weaknesses and it just seems like it seemed like such a staple when it was around it almost was surprising to me that it wasn't in m eleven
2: you know, M12 is going to shake things up quite a bit. So even though we're all excited about what possible brews are are in place, you know, are are going to be made possible because of Jason's they been unfortunately gone. That format we have to remember is only going to be around for a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. And then it's going to change radically again because M10 and M11. I mean, those are some those are some sets that really changed formats. Bane Slayer Angel, the M10 duels, the Great Sable Stag for me all the Titans, mm-hmm. Fauna Shaman preordained, Mana Leak. You right. know, I'm excited to see what M twelve brings.
1: Seriously. Yeah, very jumping yeah,
2: back to what formats are possible, or what decks are possible, uh this we had kind of tangented off because uh we were talking about, you know, like what decks are gonna be are going to be possible in this new mm-hmm. format. And I mean, you know I have an unnatural love for Mono Black, but I really do think that Mono Black uh has a has a niche, has a purpose because like the discard you have, is mm-hmm. going to be good against both of those two combo decks, right? right. Like the Twin right. Mountains of Splinter and Valakit, right? And the uh, the creature removal is good against Twin. You can have the right creature removal to combat uh, Valakit, and you could play like you could play land destruction, discard, remorse side, extra fate type cards if you wanted. The whole thing that was keeping black from not being able to win before was two things. One. Black has a weakness to planeswalkers, mm-hmm. and two, black has a weakness to equi- to artifacts.
3: Mm, yeah. So when
2: exactly. Stoneforge Mystic is going to go get Batterskull, I mean that's kind of a problem for black.
3: Perfect. And then up. when
2: blue decks always get to just combat all your mediocre two for ones with a single Jace the Mind Sculptor, I and mean, that's a problem. But with both Stoneforge Mystic and Jace gone, and replaced with Algeth and Twin, which are two things that black is actually particularly you know which black is good against. Mm-hmm. I think the black is gonna be the real deal. Mono Black I think is gonna be uh I think Mono gonna be big on the upswing. I like
1: I like the fact that every deck has access to tectonic edge and surgical extraction to deal with Valica if they really wanted to. You know, I think that's yep. uh, I think that's comforting. Like, a lot of people, especially the people who are very upset with the bannings, are like, oh, great, now we're just going to have to deal with Valakit for five months, and that's going to be the best deck. But, I mean, like, somebody was saying that, like, you know, there are a lot of cards printed uh, that combat Valakit that we haven't even had time to explore yet because we've been too busy fighting Callblade and Jace. Um, so there are things there that answer that deck. So I think that saying that, oh, the format's just going to be... Um, is going to be dominated by Valakit for the next couple of months. And now that's a problem is just a, a blatant oversimplification of what things are going to be.
2: But yeah. I agree with you completely. Why can't a black deck use in tumor expert? Yeah. To, I mean, in tumor expert could take, you know, like a green Sun zenith or a summoning trap or whatever out of their hand, but can also take a Valakit out of their hand. If they try hiding their Valakit from you, you know, like if you're playing tectonic edge, and some discard spells and Surgical Extraction, as long as you have some creature removal for their fatties, you can pick apart a part of Valakad deck. They don't, The deck's almost all air. It's all land. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right. And that's not even, to, and that's to say nothing of the fact that you can just cast Frexian Obliterator. And what are they going to do about that? Yeah. You yeah. know? Now that Frexian Titan. Obliterator isn't getting gazed all the time, and sort of Feast and Cannons all the time,
1: did did I tell you, Joey? Um, remember I brought up semblance anvil as a possible way to make swords cheaper? Where you know we're gonna make yeah. battle skull cheaper. Um, you know, we kind of we kind of just brought it up casually. But sure enough, round one at FNM um, when I played a couple weeks ago at someone else's store, um, somebody used semblance anvil and then went sword, 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 sword for one mana each. Oh wow! Like, I was like, oh, it was that's like
2: you still talented.
1: Uh, yeah, oh yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I'm playing that deck now too. Um, but like, uh, yeah, but Semble's sample seems like it could be a, you know, at least a two of in some of those decks to help them cheat them out. I mean, you got the, I mean, it makes them two cheaper. So it means you can play your mortar pods for free. You can play your, uh, Flayer Husks for free, you know, and you're just basically cantripping off of these free creatures. Um,
0: Right. It uh, yeah, I guess I, I'd have to I'd have to
2: see it. I'd have to see it in action because it sounds very exciting, and it sounds like something that Johnny would enjoy. <laughs> but um, I'm always a little wary. Uh, I mean, sometimes they end up breaking. You know, they end up breaking formats. But sometimes cards that rely on you having the best card in your deck and play all the time uh, can be a little risky, just because like Pure Steel Paladin is such a powerful card, anyway that if you get to just have your Pierce steel Paladin in play for more than one turn, you should be gaining a huge advantage every turn anyway.
1: Absolutely. No, I so
2: I'd want to make sure that if uh like I mean maybe Anvil maybe the anvil can be added in such a way so that it actually helps other passes for the deck as well. Right. But I definitely I mean, want to make sure to
1: you could you could yeah, then again I mean you can also that also affects all artifacts so then you can play etch champions for one or like vault scourges for two life and there's lots of different things you can do uh, that it reduces the cost of I mean you you I mean pure steel paladin is obviously good on its own you don't really need semblance able to make pure steel paladin good uh, but it's a good like backup plan or maybe just a, you know I mean even, even if you draw on both you can use one to exile to imprint the other and then you don't have to ever draw them again, and if you, and then basically you're just drawing and playing stuff, and if you happen to have a Pure Steel Paladin out, it's even that much better.
3: Yeah.
2: Something. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like there's a lot of different ways that could end up going. I mean, who knows? Maybe you even imprint an artifact creature out of your hand, and then it reduces the cost of your creatures and your artifacts. Yes. So that you actually go, like, turn, you know, you go turn to Pure Steel Paladin, your opponent goes kill it immediately. And then you go turn three anvil and you, you know, you exile a etched champion or something. And then on the next turn, you're able to play a, a turn four sun titan and you get back to your pierced paladin. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's kind of, that's an exciting other thing you can do.
3: still so a little
2: wary <laughs> this anvil is the exact type of card that always leads to, like, it's so sexy to imagine what it does. And I haven't ever seen it in any deck that worked yet. But, um, it's, that's how, I mean, that's the thing about, you know, stupid ideas, you know, like stupid ideas are where brilliant ideas come from. And that definitely is the type of idea that there's a good chance that it won't end up panning out at high, high competitive levels. However, there's a chance that it'll be truly great. And there's an awful lot to be learned and enjoyed playing it at whatever level, just trying to make it that one time in 10 or that one time in 20
1: where it really breaks out, you know. I never even thought about an artifact creature. I am pumped.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, hero blade hold only costing
1: two mana? Oh. Down sick. Talking, Pat, I like what you're saying. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, it's definitely something that uh, it sounds pretty exciting. I'm excited about Mono Black as well. Um, the only thing, uh, two things that I, th- I think about, um, and you actually said something along these lines in your article uh, yesterday, Patrick, the, uh, about all the utility lands that uh, you were examining the block decks, and you're talking about how the control decks don't, you know, they have to play more mana, and because the lands don't, most of the lands don't do anything, um, and half of the deck is made up of mana. It's it's tougher because uh, the aggro decks that play less land already start out with natural card advantage because they have more business spells. Um, how do you feel like with mono black? You obviously want to play a lot of swamps, especially if you're playing something like uh, Lash Rive. Um, how do you feel like? Does that kind of hold the deck back at all, or do you feel like that's something that's a, just something that uh, just power through? I guess.
2: Well, it's it's something that has to be considered. Because like uh if you just play Stone Cold twenty five swamps or whatever, I mean that's you're not getting any utility.
3: Yeah.
2: And every time you add uh, you know, like Tectonic Edge or whatever, you're making it harder to play some of the cards like Obliterator and you're making your last try a weaker
3: mm-hmm.
2: And that's even more complicated by the fact that um I mean I think spreading Seeds is gonna be a very popular card in the future. Yeah. I mean, Spreading Fees is, you know, that's like a natural, super powerful way to fight Valiket. Right. And, and, uh, if people are playing Spreading Fees and you have Titanic Edge, sometimes playing Obliterator might be a little tricky, a little challenging. But that's the, that's the whole, I mean, that's one of the big question marks in the format because Obliterator seems so good in the format now. You know? Yeah. He seems, he seems like a great card as long as you can cast it. And therein lies nice the rub, you know? Like, it's, it's going to take a lot of working with it to figure out what four drops do you want. Do you want Lash Ride? Do you want a Tumor Exer? Do you want a How many can you play? Can you play four? Can you play six? Can you play eight? And then um, what kind of expensive spells do you play? Are you going to play Liliana, Grave Titan, Massacre Worm, Worm Coil Engine, Shildred? Uh, You know, I mean, there's all sorts of expensive possibilities. Uh, and then as far as the discard spells, what mix of, of Inquisition and Cozilek, Despise, uh, you know, duress. I mean, duress seems worse now that people aren't always having a battle skull in their hand or a jace. Mm-hmm. But what about despise? Except that now there's no jace anymore. That was the number one thing to get. Except that you might want to get the primeval titan out of the person's hand or the cobra. I mean, oh, it's, you, it's do.
1: <laughs> you do want to get the primeval titan out of their hand. I had to play against mono green, um, like a mono green Eldrazi deck and ugh, yeah, you got to get that primeval titan out of their hand. It's pretty brutal.
2: My, my initial guess Mm-hmm. is that the uh, the starting spot is for Inquisition of Kozilek. The Inquisition is the best one. Yeah. And then beyond that, that Despise is the next choice, because I think that there's a good chance that you're going to want to play six to eight discard spells. I'm not sure. The discard spells are just so good. And being able to knock creatures out of people's hands, I mean, everybody plays creatures, you know? Yeah. Being able to knock creatures out of people's hands is very nice, although I'd be careful of playing too many Despises out the gate. I'm not sure, though. I mean, who knows? I, it's really tough to figure out where the format's going to go yet. And maybe the Duress is better, or that a mixture of all three. Plus, I mean, Distress is an M12, which is kind of exciting.
0: Oh, is it? Has, it been, has it been confirmed? I didn't, uh,
2: yeah. didn't see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. How exciting is that? I mean, Distress makes a perfect follow-up. If you go turn one Inquisition to ch- take whatever they were going to do that was cheap, then Distress gives you ways to actually hit those permutal titans or those plane blockers, but also hit spells or whatever, you know?
3: Right.
2: So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of excited about that one.
1: So am I. Yeah,
2: and uh, then and then uh, as far as your removal, you have so many good options. You know, like go for the throat is obviously the uh, the, the, the sort of the card to beat, and but a gatekeeper, you know, gatekeeper and go for the throat. But there's mm-hmm. also obviously you know, uh, disfigure, uh, Doomblade, blade, uh, guest's verdict. I mean, guest's verdict could be great if the format goes in direction that has, you know, where you you need a removal spell that that can actually hit things like thrum or protect or Mirroring
0: Crusader. Right. What do you think, uh, as far as... Um, wh- when we were in Denver, we were watching a guy play Mono Black Control in Standard, and I know it's a completely different Standard going forward, but I think one of the things that we were noticing was he just didn't have a way to... Uh, he didn't have enough library manipulation or card draw at all, um, and that still seems like a weakness of the deck. Um,
2: oh, okay, so I definitely think you got to play a lot of card advantage. And I think the people today, it, I mean, unfortunately, it wasn't totally viable just because of the fact that uh, Callblade was so oppressive mm-hmm. and the fact that you could play all these two-for-ones and still lose to a Jace. But now that you don't have to be playing Vampire Hexmage at the deck to try to fight people's Jaces and so on, mm-hmm. you can actually focus on having more card advantage. Things like Sign and Blood, Tezra's Gambit, Mimic that. uh, you know, like uh, the Chorexia's Kare- correct. Procrest of uh,
0: is that the the one that does the, the poison? I forget. Uh
2: yeah, it draws like target player loses three life, gets three poison encounters, and draws three cards.
0: Yeah, that's right, for five and it's a sorcery. Yeah.
2: Yep. So you can play I mean there's more card advantage like that, not to mention all the two for ones, like Phyrexia and Rager or Tumor Exarch or Gatekeeper or or any number of uh, you know uh, any number of two for one type forms of card advantage. So, I mean, Skin Render, Gray Titan, Warm Coil Engine, these are all like implied card advantage.
3: Right. So
2: I think that as long as uh, Mono Black Deck plays just tons and tons of card advantage, Mm
3: -hmm. they
2: can get there. You know, Liliana, um, the, like, I mean, the big thing is that without Jace in the way, Mm -hmm. they just got to be disciplined and play enough card draw so that they don't just get stuck with all land and removal spells, you know? The, the other, the, the other big one, as I mentioned, the change besides shapes and line sculpture, mm-hmm. from the perspective of mono black, is the uh, is the equipment because those are the two big question marks. You know, like uh, what's a black deck gonna do about Sword of Feast and salmon? What's a black deck gonna do about you know any random artifact or or whatever or Tezzeret? You know, what if people start playing Tezzeret? A black deck's got to be able to compete with a turn three
3: Tezzeret.
0: Yeah. I mean in that t- Tezzeret and artifacts or planeswalkers and artifacts like you said they're the uh they're a weakness for black and it seems like te- a Tezzeret deck would just naturally have a huge advantage.
2: Right, which is why you know it's going to be important to consider the right kind of discard to use and if you you know like what kind of support do you use? Is it worth playing Razoba? Is it worth playing Tuddle Magnet? Is it worth playing you know, like what other cards you know spine of a Schneidven or Karn? who knows
0: right uh, what do you feel um, like you know as far as um as far as like blue based control, which you know we had plenty options, well, Jace the mind sculptor was the kind of the start of that deck uh so how does a blue based control deck kind of take shape in the new standard like how how do you see that happening?
2: So I see two blue based control decks right off the top,
3: mm-hmm.
2: like right out the gate. The first one is Blue Black Control.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: If you recall, Blue Black Control was the chosen one that was able to defeat Valakut last time. Right. And so, Valakut is the new monster that needs to be slain again, uh, like Jace the Mind Sculptor is not absolutely vital to defeating Valakut. You could play a deck full of, you know, one mana discard spells like Despise, Duress, and Inquisition, mm-hmm. Mana Leaks, Stoic Rebuttals, and then uh, some creature removal and a bunch of card advantage, Spreading Seas, and Tectonic Edges. And just maul deck. Now, instead of Jace the Mind Sculptor, you can, I mean, there's a variety of different options to choose from, but there's Jace's Ingenuity, Jace Valerian, uh, 4C, Liliana Vess, uh, Tezzeret Gambit, Simon Bard. There's a lot, of Seagate Oracle even. I don't know. There's a lot of different options. Yeah. So I think that uh, I think the Blue-Black Control, mm-hmm. yeah, it hurts to not have Jace the Mind Sculptor anymore. You know what? Jace the Mind Sculptor was the best card against blue light control. <laughs> <laughs> think about how many times people have played, how many times people play Jace decks, and then the other person just sticks a Jace, and you're dead.
3: Right. You know.
2: Yeah. So not not having to face Jace anymore is just huge, but also not having to face Stoneforge fortunistic anymore. You know.
3: Yeah.
2: How do you don't have to face Stoneforge Mystic or Jace. I mean. Blue, black, and troll is the exact type of deck that could beat a Deceiver deck or a Valakut deck, you know, without even much effort. Now, uh, its baseline strategy is going to be a little weak to hyper-aggro, but if you think that hyper-aggro gets hurt by all these combo decks, then, I mean, blue-black definitely gets to, you know, slide right in and have this sort of this, this niche in the metagame.
3: Right.
2: Yep. The other one I'm seeing is, oh, and then uh, it also has Consecrated Sphinx now. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you always had Grave Titan, mm-hmm. and then people eventually invented Procursor. Man, Consecrated Sphinx. I'm not sure what the right mix is going to be between Consecrated Sphinx and Grave Titan,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but Consecrated Sphinx is absolutely amazing. And if you were worried about you know, not drawing enough cards because it's not having Jace, Consecrated Sphinx will draw all the cards you need.
3: <laughs> yeah, for sure. The
2: uh, The other one mm-hmm. is Blue Light Control. Now blue white control has a little bit more of a question mark over it. Mm-hmm. I mean like blue black, I'm pretty certain the blue black's gonna make a comeback for sure. You know?
3: Mm-hmm. I
2: mean, if you think the blue is dead, I think uh I, I, I mean I know you don't, but mm-hmm. I think anybody who's concerned the blue can't work without Jason Line sculpture, you gotta remember just how many good blue cards have been printed in the last year and a half. Yeah, I mean but, we uh, still
0: still and- have mana leak. That's a that's a big one just Right there.
2: Preordain, no. Leak, Spreading Seas, Consecrated Sphinx. Uh, J- I mean there's, there's Yeah, I mean, plus plenty of other cards. Plus blue cards just are better, naturally. You know, like, the things that blue does, like balancing things and drawing cards and looking at cards and countering spells. And... But anyway, out of yeah. blue-white control. Uh, there's a few different ways blue-white control might end up going.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, the first one that comes to mind is Venture.
3: Yeah.
2: I mean... Venser does a pretty good Jake's The Mind Sculptor impression. I mean, he costs five, but often he's at least as deadly, you know? Like, you're drawing an extra card every turn when you phase out your Spreading Seas or your Seagate Oracle or your Wall of Omens or whatever.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Or you're resetting your magnets or, or triggering your Contagion Class again or, or re-triggering your Sunblast Angel or re-triggering your Titans or... Or whatever you want to do, you're getting like at least a, a, a card worth of value, at the very least. Yeah. Plus, he, he, scales so fast, he scales up so fast, to the ultimate faster than Jace does, you know?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, uh, I'm going to be really excited to... Uh, I'm very excited to work on blue-white venture decks, you know? The blue-white decks are going to be naturally good against the hyper decks, mm-hmm. and the blue-black decks are going to be naturally good against the combo decks. But, uh... I'm not sure which one will end up being the best overall, you know? Yeah. Blade Splicer, I think, is going to change the dynamics of how Venture works. Oh, yeah. Blade Splicer is an absolutely incredible card, and the ability to Venture him. I mean, just playing Blade Splicer just to put it out there as a good card, mm. I think is a very legitimate thing. And once you start using Venture to blink your Blade Splicer every turn, you start getting a really big advantage. And then you can even use the unblockable. You can threaten to have the unblockable ability Make all your blades blazers unblockable to break through a standoff.
0: Do you think uh, Vengevine decks will still will be able to kind of have a resurgence? Because I typically like what kept them down was the, you know the Primeval Titans, the valicates and the, basically the Titans. And it seems like that's actually more having uh, they're going to have more appearances now. So are Vengevine decks still just not good enough? I
2: mean, so uh, and that's actually kind of a uh, that's a very very good question and kind of a people one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with your assessment completely that the that Vengevine was, like, the thing that oppresses Vengevine are the Titans. Yeah. And the um, the whole reason we got to this weird metagame that exists in the real world up until the banning was because Wizards of the Coast didn't realize that you could, like, it, it, I mean, it's a pretty big leap to invent the idea of a blue deck that has Stoneforge Mystic but only eight creatures. I mean, it's a very non-intuitive thing. Right. Uh, I mean, like, why did people play that at the World Championships? You know? It just hadn't been invented yet.
3: Yeah.
2: And it's a pretty radical change in deck design philosophy. And uh, and because Wizards didn't have that, combined with the fact that they didn't realize how good Seraphic and Salmon was, mm-hmm. and they knew darn well how good Batterskull was, and they knew that Batterskull plus Stoneforge Mystic was going to be pretty unbeatable. I kind of pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, the fact that they didn't have so, sort of uh, feast and famine, it, it ended up skewing their metagame, where they were under the impression that the Goblin Guide decks and Vengevine decks would be really good, and the Goblin Guide and Vengevine would help keep Jace in check, and that Jace would help keep the Titans in check, and that then there you know and so there'd be this nice little paper rock scissors. Right. Except that, you know, Jason the Mind Sculptor happened to be better than all, <laughs> and. As a result, the uh, the Goblin guy decks and the Vengevine decks didn't have their purpose in the metagame. But with with Jace and Stoneforge gone now, I'm kind of concerned that initially Vengevine and Goblin Guide don't even have their niche. You know, the whole thing they were supposed to beat but couldn't, it's gone now. And so now all this left are things that are good against them.
3: Right. You
2: know? Worm Coil Engine, Grave Titan, um, the... Uh, like mono black now has surgical extraction. Um, yeah, combo it, decks.
0: It seems like they actually so they actually printed answers to Vengevine that you know a question that wasn't being asked. Pretty well, much. Well, and
2: Batterskull too. Batterskull was supposed to be an answer to Vengevine, right? Because Vengevine was so powerful in FFL,
0: right? So it's kind of sad for uh, for Vengevine because it looks like unless something. Uh,
2: now, I think that there is going to be a comeback of Vengevine eventually, though. Because I think what ends up happening is the Vengevine is sort of like Cruel Tomato. It's, yeah. uh, like, Cruel Tomato mm-hmm. helps make it possible for control decks to beat fairies. And it's really kind of non intuitive how they do that. Because Cruel Tomato is this big, expensive tap out sorcery that they can just counter. So you right. think, well, that's not good against fairies. But the thing is, the Cruel Tomato can do the heavy lifting for you and can clean up after you if you dedicate 85% of your deck to beating one deck, you know? Like, you, you build your entire deck to beat the best deck, like fairies.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: If you do that, you're going to naturally be a little underpowered when you face other mashups. Right. So if you have a card that can just totally take over the game by itself, then, or, you know, some some strategy, some other strategy that can win the game for you by itself, uh-huh. then uh but it's absolutely, it is good against that. Because, like, if Vengevine lets you beat the Valakit people, the combo people, if you slant your deck to beat combo, mm-hmm. and then you just rely on, like, you know, Vengevines and Fauna Shumans and whatnot to beat the blue-white decks or whatever, I mean, Vengevine is actually doing good for you, that's, you know? Yeah, that's right. A... cleaning up after you so that you can build your deck in such a way to be able to beat people who are trouble.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting way to... Look at it. I hadn't uh, ever thought of that, I don't think. But that's really...
2: So, yeah, I mean, at level zero and level one, Venge Line is the exact opposite of where you want to be. I mean, the card is the exact wrong place. But it could, in theory, be where you want to end up if you can find a way to crack the code and then use it as an additional engine, you know, just something else good to do. Because, like, for instance... Um, Benjamin is still pretty good against Mono Like they do have surgical extraction, mm-hmm. but they might not draw the surgical extraction. And besides, haste creatures are great. And what if people play Tes Red? great against Tesorite. Yeah. What if people play Monoraid? Vengermine's great against Monoraid. So there could be a, a a world where where that ends up becoming true <laughs> if people are able to compensate for for Splinter Twin and the
0: Titans. One more deck I want to ask you about and um I think you're the person who's done the best in the the on the biggest stage with this kind of deck, and that's obviously Tesseret. Uh, do you feel like not, Tezzeret decks are they gonna are they gonna show?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Now you lose Chase the Mind Sculptor,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, but that's not the end of the world. Now, first of all, some people play Call for the Hammer. And I'm not really like I'm not that real, really that big a fan of the, the much more aggressive cough Tesseret mm-hmm. sort of builds. But they have done, you know, they have put up some numbers some places and it may be that that's the formula that you can that you can play cough and tesseret together so you have just this incredible amount of planes walking haste. I mean, if other people think the planeswalkers aren't gonna be an issue anymore and you show sure up with both cough and tesseret, you're gonna get a lot of free wins that way. Right. and um, and they, the uh, the aggressive nature of both is definitely something to consider now the uh, the other style obviously uh, is you know just a tesseret a more dedicated Tezzeret deck It's either blue black or you know several colors, but revolving around Tezzeret itself right uh, and the uh the forge master sort of style of blue black um, I'd be surprised if If that's where you want to be, but Because um, I think that people are gonna have just too much interaction like it's another combo deck, but it's not nearly as resilient as as like uh the Velika or twin decks, so you probably I don't think that's where you want to end up, mm-hmm. but uh as far as just playing a Tezzeret deck, it's like two, three or four colors uh that's like sort of aggro control mid rangey sort of like uh the one I played in Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you can replace Jace there. I mean, for some amount of the time when I was testing, I didn't even have Jace's in the in the main deck, you know?
3: Right.
2: And um, you mm-hmm. got to replace it with something. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's the Wellspring engine. Yeah, I mean, Icar Wellspring and Microsynth Wellspring mm-hmm. uh, combined with Brexley's core, as well as if you have any other things to sacrifice artifacts. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good so- source of card damage, you know? Like, you get a whole lot of think-twices. And once you lose Jace, that's the exact thing you're looking for, it's card advantage. But I don't think Tesla's at the top of my list of cards just yet, just because of the fact that it's naturally uh it was naturally a little bit weak against Alcant. But mm-hmm. um I mean it's one of the most powerful cards in the format left. So it's definitely a card to, to explore and to work with. And I think it's gonna end up stabilizing as being, you know, like you know how like rug was consistently right around five or you know five percent of the field or so between four and seven percent of the field.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think Tezra is going to become stable at somewhere more like four to seven percent of the field. You know, like I oh, think man. it's going to start picking up. They're probably closer to the seven percent, but I think that Tezret is going to be one of the decks that begins to fill the void from decks like Rug no longer existing. The reason I say at the top is because I think that in order to build the Tesseract deck the right way, mm-hmm. you have to have more of a grasp of what the rest of the format is doing. Right. You have to know what it is that you have to be able to beat.
3: Okay. Yeah, you know. Yeah. that's that Blue Control
2: sense. has a bunch of very straightforward uh, cards. You know, you just have what discard and permission do you play. Whereas Tesseract, you have to calculate how many of spells mobile cells you're going to play. Are you going to play sweepers? What colors are you going to play? How much acceleration? Uh, are you going to play tumble magnets? Are you going to play uh lots of monsters are you're not gonna play any monsters are you gonna play a consecrated sphinx deck. And I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of different variables at play with trying to figure out how to build the Tesseret deck, right?
0: Yeah, it seems like a, a lot more of a puzzle to solve Tesseret. Uh
2: you know what card might be at the top of my list. What's consecrated that? Sphinx. Yeah Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Seems so good.
2: Consecrated Sphinx is that guy is that guy is going to be putting in some work.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and it's already, it's already been shining in block. And I think that, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and in little fringe places. I mean, it's been in, in, uh, Callblade a couple times. A couple people played it as like a one of, and it's been in, uh, Twin Decks. But, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely going to make a much bigger impact going forward. Uh, yeah, I mean, Like, okay, so
3: Stoneforge
2: Mystic and Jason Life for weren't legal in block. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just look at some of the block decks and try to figure out how to carry them to Type 2? I mean, what were the best strategies in blocks? There's Tempered Steel,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which I think we'll see some Tempered Steel in, in Type 2, in theaters. Right. There's Pierced Steel Paladin, which we'll see in theaters. There's various cost uh, various cost decks, Tezra decks, and Consecrated Sink decks. And I think we're going to see that all that, you know?
0: Yeah. So, uh... Definitely, definitely a good idea to look ahead at the block decks, and no better place to do that than uh, than your article from from Monday. So, if anybody who's uh, who's curious to see some of that, uh, definitely te- check out Patrick's article. I'll link that actually in the show notes because it was a, it was a great article, great look at the uh, the metagame.
2: Well, and actually, my article on Wednesday,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, depending on your uh, inertial time reference point, right. my article on Wednesday will be or was about. <laughs> uh, the new metagame with, with, uh, with Jason Stoneforge gone.
3: Okay. You know,
2: just talking about some of the bands and some of the, the ways to explore some of the decks. You know, which decks you think are going to be good and which ones, uh, which ones, need to change the most. You know.
0: Awesome. Fantastic. Uh, anything uh, either of you guys wanted to add?
2: The Gathering. Uh, definitely check that out. Bill Bowden and myself. Bill Bowden, aka Spruce, and uh, Magic Scene hip hop. And it's, you know, just having a lot of fun. And uh, uh, hopefully people will get a chance to hear from uh, from the track here, Brewmaster's Delight. Yeah. Um, just, you know, fun way to enjoy magic culture.
0: Absolutely. I, I definitely have a blast listening to it. And uh, it's, it's just a really fun album. Fun is the key word. If you love magic, I mean, how can you not just enjoy this? It's it's magic themed hip-hop exactly or it's actually more than just hip-hop i mean it's several genres so if you haven't heard it yet i don't know where you've been but it's you know we played it multiple times on the show but definitely check it out we'll uh we'll link some the gathering uh, it's
2: kind of please. pathetic kind please. of pathetic i mean like there were a number of people who were not aware that the jason line sculpture is actually better than all
3: yeah and, i mean
2: now it's official right it's you know it's certified too good you know but Hey, dude, is it bad that I feel like uh, like my my son just graduated from college? <laughs> like, I've never been so proud. You know, I'm like, like good for you, Chase. Way to go. You get him. You know? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Valedictorian of uh, of standard. <laughs> 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 just uh, looking ahead, upcoming events. This weekend, of course, we have Star City Open in Baltimore. It is the last hurrah for Call Blade, So those of you who want to, uh, as Patrick said earlier in the episode, do you want to give it a last uh, send-off, or do you want to prove that you can beat it, that your brew can do it, then that's the best place and pretty much the only opportunity you're going to get.
1: I'm totally, like, playing, like, the sickest, like, death metal air guitar solo right now over having star city open in baltimore this weekend
0: yeah absolutely i absolutely. was doing
1: it the whole time you were talking about it <laughs> i just was like
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: totally rocking out i'm so excited for this weekend um can i click cram a shameless plug in real quick why not great um friday night before the event um i'm hosting a legacy tournament like in place of fnm um, Friday night at Amazing Spiral Comics in uh, Hamden, Maryland. It's just north of the Convention Center. Uh, you can get there by the uh, uh, by the 27 bus. Gets you pretty close. Um, you know, if you want to come to that, just email taps at gmail com. Uh, we have
0: a, we have a week off uh, July Fourth weekend. Not too many big events happening then, but july 9th and 10th uh the weekend after that the m12 pre-release is already right around the corner two weeks away from m12 pre-release so that kind of snuck up on us i think um and then the week after that is star city games open series in cincinnati where we will see kind of the first uh first look at this new standard and uh which is also—it's actually going to be even even more new, I guess, and more different because the M12 cards will be legal that weekend. That'll be the weekend that M12 is released. So we can, we have no idea what that format's going to look like. <laughs> but uh, that'll be exciting to, to keep an eye on. So um, that's what we got in the next few weeks. So I think uh, I think that's everything. Uh, thank you again, Patrick, for joining us. We love having you on.
2: Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. And uh, thank you to my mom for being awesome. And my dad, happy Father's Day, belated at this point. But,
3: uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <guess> definitely.
2: We <laughs> are YoMTG Taps. Taps. Jason Stubborger Band.
3: Stubbrook. We
2: Let's talk about fans, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about fans. Probably not on the album, though. No. It's not on the gathering album, but it's a uh, creature radio, you know. Just a little remix. A remix. You're innovator. No one greater, greater ass. <laughs> Demonstrating, understanding, understanding, underlines. Overlay, what What you
1: say?
0: Like
1: so to end the show, can Joe? Can we both say we are YoMTG taps at the same time? And Pat say stop bitching, start brewing.
0: Sure, if Patrick's down for that.
1: Wait, so it's stop
2: bitching and start
0: brewing. Yeah,
2: yeah, no I just to get, so just to be clear about something. Sure. Did it not did not the quote unquote bitching help lead? to this world where Jace is actually banned?
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that. <laughs> and so unfortunately he's actually banned? But that is not always the answer. Have you thought about the philosophy <laughs> involved? That's not always the answer. Usually, it's stop bitching, and start brewing. In this case, it was squeaky wheel gets the oil. But, uh... Well, is it squeaky wheel gets the oil? What's what that? about, uh... What about a relentless
2: pursuit of perfection? Which generally the only way we can find is through brewing.
3: <laughs> no yeah
2: <laughs> no you know what though because seriously ditching doesn't really actually necessarily help people that much so it would be an awful uh, you know it would be awfully useful for for the majority of the ditching to be replaced with a whole lot more brewing
0: absolutely this is what happens when the brew
1: and build your decks. You know, oh, you think your deck could do great if these cards aren't in the format? They're not in the format. Yeah. Build the decks that you think are, you know, the ones that are going to come to the top now. Yeah, you know, Prove it. Prove, prove it. Step by step. I'll show you how it's done. Coming up with an idea is step
2: Imagine mean, I this bitching thing creates the full paradigm where it's implied that the only reason things change is because people quote-unquote bitch. I don't think the bitching has anything to do with it.
3: The truth is that the format was broken. Jace and Stoneforge are banned, so it's time to start brewing.